Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You Big Book Study Group. Today is Sunday, April 17, 2022. My name is Melanie C., a recovered compulsive overeater living in Canby, Oregon. The share ID numbers for Friday, April 15, 2022, are the following. The 7 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study Meeting is 18849-18,849, and 1,800, no, let me say this correctly, 18,850-18850 for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study Meeting. That would be for Friday, April 15th. This morning, A Vision for You presents Growing in Honesty. We are told that we as addicts are constitutionally incapable of being honest with ourselves. The level of denial is so extreme, physiologically very different. And it's different in our processing and so ingrained into our being and our way of thinking and and graining and gaining for ourselves, it is virtually impossible for us to see the reality of our situation. Then there is that curious thing about lying when the truth would be suitable that we do for ourselves. We do not have the capacity to be honest. While in this condition, for sure, that we have come to find ourselves in when entering the rooms of recovery. The business of conditioning ourselves as part of the disease mechanism into believing many things that were not true in order to quiet the storm within, manipulating the world around us to think the way we think, do the things the way we do, and to want the things that we want in the amounts that would create a tsunami in the average tempered eater. To believe that we are often right rather than wrong, and if wrong, justify the situation so that we are not really totally wrong. (laughs) To tell ourselves that all is really okay, that we deserve this or that, and this this amount or that amount is what we do all day long. And that trouble we endured would cause anyone to do what we have done and therefore it is okay for what we for what it is that we do we have the license to lie or misrepresent the truth apparently our intentions are pure and our kindness will save us is what we think that's dishonesty to the full well here's the promise most have the capacity to be honest and we have found that to be gold the 12 steps utilized as a program of recovery on the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, clearing out and cleaning up with results being an awakening. We had grown in honesty with ourselves and the world around us. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds, which straightens us up to honesty. Think about that for a moment. Just think about that. Transformed by the renewing of our minds, bit by bit, over and over, growing. We no longer can think the way we once thought. It has been replaced. Our eyes have been opened where we once could not see. We now see clearly one day at a time. Our connection with power becomes the most important relationship to live in the relationship with all those around us in the world. Joy, pure joy. Well, here today to tell the story of how one grows in honesty one day at a time through the spiritual plan of action, how one through the power that is greater, reconstructs from old to recovered, from set outside to regaining trust in society inside and reconciling within. 
Today we welcome Barbara P. to the line. Many of us know her from the rooms of a Vision for You Big Book study groups, whether sharing or in service of each day's study. She is a dedicated servant in many capacities, especially in this way today with this outstanding audience, paying forward the miraculous shift that has happened to, to her because of the power in these 12 steps. A Vision for You is very grateful to have her with us here today. Please help me welcome Barbara P. back to the line as she extends herself even more incredibly to this morning. Good morning, Barbara. Welcome. Good morning, everyone. And Melanie, thank you. What a beautiful opening. Oh, you said it all. Good morning. Uh, this is Barbara P., recovered compulsive overeater, not cured, not nearly cured, but recovering a day at a time. And um, oh, just so grateful to be here. So nervous to be here, but so grateful to be here. Now I have to tell you all, you know, I thought about all kinds of ways to open this this talk. And here we are on this beautiful holiday weekend, multiple holidays happening, um, spring happening, things coming alive. And I thought about program and transformation, and I am amazed, amazed to be where I'm sitting today. But I will also tell you that my first topic was rigorous honesty. I thought, oh, I want to talk about rigorous honesty. It's used so many places. And then I really, as I explored it, realized oh my gosh, I'm nowhere close. You know, I think sometimes we think about our speakers and our service people like, oh, they somehow they have it and I don't. That's what I thought before I really began the process of recovery. I thought, well, I'll never get there. It, and we put them up on a pedestal. And so I want to I start this morning with where I woke up. And then you can see that I am growing in honesty. There is no way I'm even close to rigorous honesty. And it happens a day at a time. I really think this is a transformation. And for some of us, it happens slowly. So I want to say this morning, I woke up and literally <clears throat> had a little bit of a headache, tiny bit of a sniffle. And I thought, and I, I woke up, I started with my prayer that I usually do. And then I noticed this little headache and this little, you know, sniffle. And I said, well, good. This is a good excuse. I, the first thing I'm going to say is you'll have to bear with me because I'm not 100% well. I might have a cold. And, you know, that would be a way for me to, like, if I really tank at this, if this talk goes badly, you'll all just be feeling sorry for me already. So that's where my head started this morning, after prayer. Now, what I will tell you is the same thought came after that and my higher power in um, basically it's, sense of humor said, uh, Barb, probably not a good idea to start a talk about honesty with a lie. Probably just really not a good idea. You may want to reframe that and skip that whole thing. <laughs> so that's why I say not cured, <clears throat> growing, excuse me, growing in this process and not anywhere close to being able to talk to you about rigorous honesty, but feeling quite qualified to talk about being uh, someone who struggled with honesty and didn't know it, didn't even know it, and then coming into living a life where I notice it and I see that I struggle with honesty uh, and practicing some things, hopefully, that are leading me to a more honest life. Now, there's so many references to honesty in the big book, and let me let me start with a little bit of my qualification 
just so you all know I belong, besides the lying, you know, this is also probably the only place in the world where we go into OA and we, you know, we start a qualification with telling you kind of how bad we are at it. And everybody goes, oh, good, she's going to be a good speaker. You know, I like her. So, um, and, and they love me more. I'll get all kinds of texts saying, I love you, thank you. You know, <laughs> so let me tell you what a liar I am. So grew up um, living literally behind a mask. I learned very early to put a smile on my face, to try and make things, to lighten things up, and to try and be who I needed to be. And that's just a fact of my life. I, you know, it's how, it was my experience of it. I was trying to be who I thought I needed to be, and I learned to do that really, really well. And so, you know, I, I, I learned to survive, right? And to survive, and maybe most humans do this, we figure out a way to fit in in the world as best we can. So, I did that, and I used, starting early on, I used food as a way to comfort myself as well, because there's a lot of tension in living behind a mask. There's a lot of tension in trying to be something that I really wasn't, um, in trying to look like I'm feeling something that I wasn't feeling, uh, in trying to go along with, you know, whatever I had to, in trying to accept the facts of my life at the time. And I'm not saying I had a terrible childhood. It wasn't that way. But my experience of it was a lot of tension in a lot of ways. And food became very important very early. And I became heavy. I wasn't a particularly active kid. So I also gained weight. And while I wasn't severely obese, I was bigger than most of the other kids. And that led to all kinds of things that, you know, we all know, many of us know so well. And it, it, you know, it shaped me. And, but food grew in importance as I went on. And at some point it turned. It really turned. Um, I got up to, I stopped weighing myself about 224. Um, you know, I, I don't know where I went to after that. I think it was at least another size or two larger than I was. So I knew in my closet I had everything from about size 12s all the way through, I think, 22Ws. And I knew I was heading for the last size in the normal stores at that time. So anyway, I got scared and through a series of events found my way to an OA meeting. And it was purely the hand of a higher power because I will tell you I had dropped any ideas of religion and God and anything years before. Literally at age 13, I rebelled and said no religion ever in my life. So I had no idea of a higher power, but a higher power took me into these rooms. I'm so clear about that now. I can see where I was literally dropped in. And, um, you know, one of the first things I heard was the, the, you know, they used to read the chapter on how it works. This was in 1988, and we didn't have a lot of the OA literature. It was just starting to come out. And on page 58, the first paragraph was one of the things that we, we always read. And the first paragraph has the word honesty literally three times in it. You know, it starts with rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. 
That's the first one. And I will tell you, for many, many years, I was really afraid that I was one of those people who could, who just was constitutionally incapable. Not who don't want to do it, not who don't try to do it, but constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. And they say they are just that way. Like, in other words, physically, they can't be any other way. Like, I have brown eyes. I can't have blue eyes. I can make them look blue, but I don't have blue eyes. I'm constitutionally incapable of having blue eyes. So I wondered if I was one of those people because I do have a lot of relapse in my story. And then it goes on to say they are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. And I, you know, I still wonder, am I someone who can be rigorously honest? I can practice rigorously honest. I can't necessarily be rigorously honest. I can try. These, their chances are less than average. There are those two who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. So I think they're telling me honesty is really key. You know, in Bill's story, it's just another reference where he says this is really essential. <clears throat> On page 13, he says, my pr- friend promised when these things were done, when he took the first 11 steps, and he says, I would enter upon a new relationship with my creator, which answered all my problems. Belief in the power of God, so just belief or willingness to believe, in my case, willingness to believe, plus enough willingness honesty, and humility to establish and maintain the new order of things were the essential requirements. I can tell you all, I don't always have the ability, like I might be constitutionally incapable, but I can practice, I can have willingness, honesty, and humility. Now the humility, even that is given to me because I did not really even recognize what a big liar I am until I started preparing for this. And then as I thought about it, I thought, oh my gosh, like this is in everything. I might call it exaggeration. I might call it making a story more interesting. I, you know, what I realized is so much of this is even, um, I'm not even completely honest with myself. I don't even know the truth. And as we were reading this week in our study during the week, and we've been deeply in the doctor's opinion the past couple of weeks, we just did the paragraph that really references men and women drink. This is XXVIII for anyone who wants to look at it. Men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it's injurious, while it hurts, they cannot after a time differentiate the true from the false. What is that but a lie? They can't even tell. They don't even know they are lying. That's, some people talk about that, the acronym for denial. Don't even know. You, spelling it a little differently. I am lying. So there's so many references. I, you know, Googled honesty in the big book and there's and in the 12 and 12, there's tons of references. <clears throat> what I couldn't find, but I know they're there throughout, woven throughout our literature, is references to lying. 
you know, there's some on honesty, but there's a lot on dishonesty. And I had to really then think and pray and meditate on how am I dishonest? How is, how did I come to these rooms? And how do I come today? Where am I still dishonest? And I think sometimes looking at the steps and the big book through questions, turning things into questions is such a powerful spiritual journey. Um, a, a good spiritual mentor of mine always says that, that every spiritual journey begins with a question, not an answer, a question. So like when I started this about four years ago working with a step guide, she had, I was coming out of relapse and she had me do some questions. And I was thinking about that um, as I prepared. Some of these questions, these step one kind of pre-step one questions really were practice in getting honest with where I was and what was happening. And so what question one was list things that are troublesome to your serenity that in fact you cannot change and therefore need to work on accepting as they are. The second question was list things that are troublesome to your serenity that in fact you can with courage work on changing. It's a powerful question. And she asked two more. Am I who I want to be? And am I who I think God wants me to be? Now for folks who don't, um, who, who rail at the word God or, or something in a lighter form, I railed when I first started. I really use that term in whatever you think of as your higher power, your higher self, your higher way of thinking, what you plug into to, to try and be better today to try and be better than you were yesterday. So, but I'm going to use God for ease. Um, please use it in whatever way is comfortable for you today. So am I who I think this higher power God wants me to be? And if I look at that on any given day, not just the day I walked into recovery, but today, am I who God wants me to be? I think it's a great question to start the day with, to go into spring with, to go into a holiday of renewal with. Am I who God wants me to be? Am I who I want to be? You know, how did I do yesterday? Can I do a little bit better today? Keep in mind growing, not just in honesty, but in everything. Am I constitutionally incapable of growing? No, I'm not. It doesn't matter how far down the scale we've gone, right? How far off, how, what... You know, it doesn't even matter if I'm a huge liar or if I'm an exaggerator. Maybe I think I am completely honest. Good, good. And you may be, but think about questions. If I am sure of anything, I feel like I'm fairly closed off. So I like keeping that bit of open mind. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of another reference that I just want to mention because this was a powerful one too. 567, page 567 is spiritual experience. 568, sorry. Um, and I promise you, I looked these up before. I am not one who knows these on the top of my head. Um, some of us do, and oh my gosh, I'm so, I wish I did. But the last paragraph in there, it says, this is page 568, we find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. This is a spiritual program. 
I still may, I'm just going to quote on, on me, I still may sometimes push back against that. I want to run the show, but this is a spiritual program. I am practicing letting go and letting go of the reins. And then it tells us in italics, willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recover, recovery, but these are indispensable. If I want to recover, I have to commit to growing, not criticizing where I'm not, not getting discouraged, not feeling ashamed even of where I'm not yet. I have to just commit to growing. That's what I really believe today. I believe that's the best I can do sometimes is commit to growing and trying to be better. So step one was really about getting honest, getting honest with what was happening to me, to me. Not even just, it wasn't what I was doing, but I had to get honest that when I picked up certain foods, ingredients, and behaviors, the reality was I became possessed. Something in my body and mind took over and I was done. I was finished. I had no ability to do anything different other than eat. You know, I have people who call and say, I'm so surprised. I can't believe I picked up. Well, go take a look at step one again. It's going to tell you, of course you did. Once, If I'm in charge, I, I, have no, I have no ability not to. I am powerless. And once I pick up, I'm done. I'm done. That cycle will start. And that was just a fact of my life. It had to become a fact that there was no way out of that. Just like my brown eyes, I am constitutionally incapable, once I pick up, of stopping. And that the thought will come. My mind, my everything in me will, will lie to me about foods. I've eaten, always eaten on a lie. Always eaten on a lie. There was always something that told me that it made sense. So step one was about me really getting that, really getting the lie in the food and the lie that I so desperately wanted to believe. And until I was willing, I couldn't take step one. I had to get that that was just a fact of my life. Step two, honesty about what I really believe about God. You know, a lot of folks, myself included, I can think I'm very, I'm a believer and I'm devoted. And I've seen, you know, I feel like I've seen a higher power work in my life now a hundred times. I have evidence of it. But I also, on any given day, can believe, hmm, is God really big enough to take this one? Wow, look at this thing that's happening. Will he really care enough about me? Will he, is he really bigger than my ego? Is he bigger than this disease? Is he bigger than cal- the calamity that's happening? Is, can God really be in this? And he's got really... So I have to challenge my own willingness. I have to ask myself every day, have I come to believe? Or am I willing to believe? that there is a God, that there is a power greater than myself. Because sometimes myself feels pretty darn big, (laughs) pretty darn big, and is getting in the way in a pretty darn big way. So I ask myself that spiritual question. You know, step three, am I willing to turn my will and my life over to the care 
does God really care? That I have to ask that question a lot and and work with that and just meditate and take that in my writing or in my in my thoughts. And am I really willing? You know, I have, that's challenging on certain days. I am most often really willing. But boy, you know, uh, my boss, when she messes with me and I'm really angry, do I really want to turn my life and will over? God wants me to be loving, kind, tolerant? No, heck no. She really got me mad. She hurt my feelings. You know, I've got to, am I willing to turn my life and my will over? Well, I'll turn 90% of it. But I'm really right about my boss. I am really right. She did me wrong. Oh, so I it's a constant practice and going back to that willingness. You know, the truth will set you free, but it's kind of ugly sometimes. Um, I had to look, particularly with step four, about honesty on my part. Now, you know, fourth step is so, I don't know, I think it gets a really bad rap, honestly. I, I just am really a fan of fourth and fifth step because I think in terms of honesty, this is where so much freedom can come. But the more I resist that, the more I go, no, la, 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 I don't want to see it. I don't want to know it. It was all their fault. I'm sure it was all their fault. Or it was all my fault. I'm sure it was all my fault. Either way, I'm not seeing the whole truth. Fourth step, um, you know, my first fourth step in back in 1988 took about two years, two years. I don't know how, but I somehow stayed abstinent. I think it was sheer will. But it was really an autobiography about me, by me. I mean, you know, I and I love doing it. I really love doing it. Well, of course, because it was all about me and it was by me. It felt good and um, kind of felt good. Me, 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 me. And I didn't learn much beyond how hard it had been for me. What a surprise, right? I didn't really get much beyond that. Um, and that was not surprising. You know, this round... A fourth step, this, particularly this one that I did, was so eye-opening when I did it with a recovered sponsor. And we really looked at how I had been dishonest, how I had been selfish. Even in situations, yeah, sometimes the other person was 90% wrong. All right? And that's just the reality. That was, that was the truth. So again, honesty and truth. We're looking at the truth. Okay, things happen that shouldn't have happened. But in my 10%, in my little 10%, I have 100% of that. I have 100% of that. Where is that? Can I learn from that? Maybe that's the better question. It wasn't so much, what did I do and why am I like that? It was, can I learn from that? Can I, could I do that differently if that happened again? Or could I pray for help? to do that differently, knowing I'm pretty powerless over some of these triggers, some of these reactions that I have, some of the ways my brain is wired. I look at it like that. Someone looks at me wrong. My brain is wired to take that very personally, to wrap all kinds of stories into that. I have a whole narrative about me and what's going on and why they're looking at me funny. So many times I find out They're just having a really bad day. They weren't even looking at me. They were staring off in space. They have a son who's in the hospital. They have a mother who's, you know, something's happening. It wasn't about me at all. 
I, but I, my perception, and I believe it 100%, it doesn't even occur to me that it might not be true. That's the kind of stuff I live with. So I know I have to reach for a higher power to really work with that, to ask for help, to ask for help for me to have a sane thought, like I did this morning. You know, the sane thought is maybe you really shouldn't start out to talk about honesty with a lie. Okay. The sane thought when, I'm going to use my poor boss again, I always pick on her, but when she looks at me and looks really angry, my sane thought is, hmm, wonder what kind of day she's having today. Let me ask her how she's doing. What's going on? How are her kids? Because she's got a lot of trouble at home. And you know, it always goes better. It always goes better. It is often about that. And we've come to trust each other to, I think, a certain extent, as much as I can trust. I, I have trouble with that. But we've come to trust each other. I think when it is about me, she tells me. And I think I can trust that when it's not, it's not. It, it is not all about me. Fourth and fifth step really helped me understand where my brain goes with things, the story, the, the narrative, my perception versus reality. And so that's where I think with honesty, fourth and fifth are one of the best tools we have. It's my perception of the truth. Um, I think that's really key. You know, the other thing that I'm reminded of, again, a spiritual teacher tells me, you know, what you can believe, I can't believe my head, I can't believe my heart all the time even, but I can believe my feet. And what he means is, what am I doing? What's my practical experience? So, for example, I can say, oh, I believe in this higher power, right? I love this higher power. Well, okay, but then if I say, but I don't have time to meditate this morning, I'm actually going to, I've got to start this other thing first, and let me go ahead and do that, and then I'm going to take care of these four things. I will touch base later, though, because I love this higher power. I, you know, my feet are not moving in the same direction. I, I, I have to watch that, and I watch my feet a lot, and I find them moving in different directions a lot. That's how I can kind of catch myself when I'm not being 100% true. So sixth step is really getting honest about my willingness. You know, again, I have a lot of self-righteousness, and I have a lot of self-defenses, and so I use a lot of the information or things that I think is information in my brain to protect myself. Am I really willing, again, in step seven, to, to ask God to remove this? Like, it's a pretty scary proposition. You know, when one of these defects of character hurts enough, I'm really willing to give it up. But when one feels kind of good, I don't know. I got I to gotta look at that sometimes. Um, in step eight, again, it's about willingness. Am I honestly putting everyone on my list even? You know, it's funny, this, again, this round, um, this big book guide recommended that I take everyone that I had a resentment against, whether I did a harm or not, and put them on my list, on my eight-step list. And I thought, well, that's silly. And like I, like I do, I, I often thought, well, you know, I've been in program a long time, 30 years. How, you know, don't you know that? And I know better. Anyway, that's where my brain. Um, so, but I did it. I did it because I was asked to do it. And I thought, this is the stupidest thing I've ever done. Well, it was actually quite brilliant because we reviewed them all. And there was a lot of times where I just had to insert prayers 
for myself to like stop judging, to do those kind of things. Even if someone, let's say I judged someone, they never knew. They never knew I even disliked them. So I thought, well, I didn't do any harm, but I was. I was harming myself and I, you know, and I was not living by my code. And we, we came up with practical uh, amends, which in many cases were prayers that I began to do, even for myself, God, please remove this judgment, this self-righteousness, the self-defenses. Please, I can't do it. You can. It became prayer in a lot of ways. And I still, I know every time I ask a sponsee to put everybody over, ooh, they get, they get mad. They get actually, some get really mad at me. Like, no, I don't owe an amends. I'm sure I don't. So again, closed mind, right? Well, can we just look at it together? No, we don't need to do that. Some are more adamant than others. And some are not. Some look at it and some find some power in it and some don't. It's all about information. It's all about truth. And and that's what I think the 12-step process is for me. It's been an opening of truth, of knowledge about myself and others that didn't fix the problem but boy it sure helps on a practical level it it gives me an open mind because again now when my boss looks at me i'm not thinking oh, this is she i'm getting fired i i was sure that you know i'm about, all about calamity too bit of a drama queen so if she gave me a, a wrong look i was sure i was getting fired and i knew i deserved it that's you know add some low self esteem in there wow it's a mess. I am a mess. And that's the mess that I'm bringing to this higher power to say, I need help. I really, it's very humbling. I need help. And I can stand on my pedestal and say, no, I'm, I'm better than my boss and she shouldn't do that. But boy, you know, I'm like that little kid whistling in the dark. I would rather today, even though it hurts a little bit, like I said, truth can be ugly, but I'd rather deal with some of my mess and bring that knowing a higher power is waiting for that and loving me through it. And that's what I need, where I need care. That's where I go to my higher power. So honesty and direct amends, you know, am I doing things directly? I, I thought about it, you know, this was written in the 30s. So I can say, well, we have text and phone and all kinds of, you know, I just need to be honest about the right amends and the right ways to do those and work that with a sponsor. And again, open-mindedness, not closed to anything. To listen for the truth, knowing it's not going to be in my brain. I'm going to be given the truth. And then maybe where the rubber hits the road is step 10, you know, which step 10 for me is a really like quick on the spot four through nine. But this is where it gets good because this is where it brings it into today. How am I living today? Am I living in um, an honest spirit? Am I looking at my part? Am I truly thinking about, I don't know, what my part is? What kind of, what story is running through my brain? I frequently, you know, challenge people with that when we talk about it, when we do a step 10 and, and I do with myself, you know, I have to ask myself the question, am I being honest or, you know, with even how I feel? Uh, you know, I have to remember to set aside everything I think I know because I have to know my level of honesty. It's tough. My feelings, I learned so early to shut off how I was feeling before I even felt it. 
So I literally still do that today. Like I heard some really bad news recently. My suffering from a, a really rare form of cancer, um, and prognosis is not good, and and so on. And and as soon as she told me, like it's almost like something in me snapped when she initially told me, and I thought she'll be okay. She'll be okay. She'll get better. She's going to beat this. You know, there's a know, three, four, five percent chance she'll be in that percentage. And I went on about my day. And there were no tears. There was no anything. Just went on about my day because that's how I function. That's how I function. Talk about a level of denial, right? I don't, you didn't even know I was feeling it. And worked with it for weeks talked about it, but didn't even feel disturbed. I was more disturbed. My 10 steps were, the ones I was doing were about um, not feeling disturbed. I felt really guilty. Shouldn't I be feeling more like I'm just functioning and I don't feel this? I was more disturbed about not being disturbed. That's where my 10 steps were. So I just have to recognize I don't have a strong level of self-honesty. And again, came by it, you know, honestly, no pun intended, but um, I don't. So if I recognize that, if that becomes a fact of my life, then I can bring that to a higher power. I can work with that. I can be given, I don't know, tools to work with that. But it absolutely requires an open mind. So step 10 is where that open-mindedness has to come in. I go back to those essentials, those, that willingness, that honesty, and that humility to know. Humility, simply knowing, yeah, my brain's a little broken in this area, are the essentials of recovery. And like the, spirit, like the spiritual experience said, but these are indispensable. I can't do without them. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery. So step 11, I go and I go as humbly as I can knowing I need help. That can be my entire prayer. That literally, uh, you know, is, it can be my entire prayer. God, I need help. I'm here. Bring it on. Um, another spiritual teacher said and shared this, I love this, is that his prayer, was, when he got started, he was also one who had no God, no, no relationship. In the morning, his sponsor told him, just wake up and say, whatever. Whatever, right? Whatever, bring it on. And he said, well, what do I say when I go to bed? He said, at night, when you go to bed, say, enough. Enough, like it was enough for today. Um, I love that. I think simplicity in this is so key for me, is not making this more complicated, not trying to be something I'm not, just practicing, living differently, and then looking at how I did, and some of it really probably did not go well, and trying to do something a little differently the next day. It's simply it. I think the 11th step is, it's that inventory. How did I do today at night? That's one of my the most important tools to me that is that nightly inventory and a lot of times it's you didn't do so well you did pretty good here but you didn't do so well there okay and not if you know they say they're so careful in those the wording around the 11th step to, to avoid remorse regret you know all of that because yeah we're just going to see it we're going to see it the big book can't tell us enough times continue to take inventory why because 
because we're going to need to. Um, you know, it says we, we're careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness. Again, that's my autobiography about me by me. I don't want to stay there. It says after making our review, we ask this higher power's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. And then I work with others. I work with others and they keep bringing me the humility. They keep reminding me. They teach me. You all teach me every single day. I I get onto that vision meeting and, you know, every morning I'm pretty sure I have nothing to say and nothing to add and know everything there is about that paragraph. I do. That's where I start. And then I start hearing the shares. I'm like, oh, hmm, okay. Never heard that before. Amazing. It's amazing to me. <laughs> but that's my broken brain. That's that's why I know I need this program. That's why I stay in this program and practice it. Practice, practice, practice because because I'm so bad at it. I mean that's you know and I say that in a in a very loving way for myself. I don't have a big expectation to be better. I mean it would be nice, but I'm gonna do the best I can today and go in knowing my higher power is strong and loving and caring and will give me everything I need to be as best as I can in, in my, my little self. So what I want to bring, I think, uh, yeah, and what I think I want to bring and close with is I want to talk a little bit about how honesty has just grown in me, just personally. And, you know, again, I Googled a few things, and what I saw was one list, which I just liked, and I I reflected on this for me, about practicing honesty. And again, this isn't, maybe it is um, cash register honesty, like, you know, giving back the dollar you find on the floor kind of thing. And it may be that, but some ideas that they gave about practicing honesty. Now, one was be truthful. And that is kind of the reflection. And a lot of times it's embarrassing, honestly, because I have to correct something I've said, like this morning telling you about my thought, to tell you that I am really sick, so please forgive me if I'm not on my game. I'm not. I woke up with a headache. That's it. So being truthful and correcting when I'm not is just as simple as I can be. Or when I am conscious of a choice, choosing truth, even though it's a little scary. They said practicing honesty is taking time to reflect. You know, like I told you about my sister and my first reaction. And since then, I've taken a lot of time. Not a whole lot. I will say, actually, let me correct and be completely honest. I avoided it for quite a while, probably a couple of weeks. And then I started to reflect. But I did take time to reflect. And what I will tell you also is that time was very difficult. It was the last thing I wanted to do, and I would think of every reason not to. But I did. I practiced by forcing myself even to take sometimes two minutes at a time just to reflect, just to get quiet, just to think about my sister and how I felt. Sometimes I wouldn't feel anything, but I would still take the time it wasn't about accomplishing anything. I, I didn't go to big tears, but I took the time to reflect. That was a way for me to practice. Another was to be straightforward, again, with myself and others. I thought this was interesting. This list suggested stop comparing myself to others. 
Because the truth is, I am who I am. Like our friend Popeye would say, I am who I am. Um, But stop comparing myself to others because it makes no sense. There's no truth in that. They're exactly the way they're supposed to be and I'm exactly the way I'm supposed to be and neither is better or worse. Once I do that, I am in dishonesty. I'm lying if I think I'm better or worse. That has been an important one for me. Another very practical way to practice, change your habits. Now, that's really interesting, right? Think of us with food, with eating behaviors. The pain of changing those behaviors is really great. I do not want to give up certain things. The hardest thing for me to give up in in, uh, abstinence hardest thing on my list was spontaneity. I loved being able to go, sure, let's go for lunch. Let's have a snack. Let's do this. That just seemed like great fun to me. I had to change my habits. It was painful, but it was honest. That snack never worked for me. It never. It set me on a path of destruction. But simply saying, okay, I'm not going to allow a snack. This is in my case. Like I'm not suggesting as a food plan. I'm just saying it was a habit. And I have to change my habits um, There's to even be, get closer to honesty. Another one was be the best version of yourself. I really feel like my 11th step, that evening inventory, and I didn't do that for, again, probably 30 years of recovery because I, didn't, I thought it was silly, has become a really important tool for me. I try not to miss a night, and I, t- I don't think I have in quite a long time. I haven't. I guess I can say honestly, um, because I really like to look at, so how did I do and where am I? Because I know I lie to myself. Maybe that's why it's the most important thing, because I know throughout the day I'm denying anything I'm feeling. At the end of the day, I look at the day and I think through just kind of main events and I think, hmm, like is there something I'm in denial about? Oh, huh, yeah, my sister let me know some really bad news today. I'm not feeling it. I'd better think about talking to somebody about that. Do not exaggerate or embellish. (laughs) That's a really hard one for me. Uh, I do practice that. I try and catch it, and I try and tell on myself, you know, usually depending on who I'm with. Look, I even, there's a but to everything, right? But, um, But I do. I try really hard to not exaggerate or embellish. Uh, I catch myself at it and try and stop. And I'm sure there's a million times I don't catch myself. So I can't, I wish I could say I don't do it anymore, but I, you know, I can't say 100% about anything in my life. Stop impressing others. This is really a difficult practice for me because I am always thinking about what are they thinking about me? And John Kay, I just love listening to him. He speaks with a lot of humor, but he also says the one thing that he really learned was that what they are thinking, what what really bothers him is how little they're thinking about him at all. Like people are just not thinking about us. So why am I spending so much energy trying to impress them? don't know. And the list goes on. Again, you can Google this, but it just is fascinating to look at. Can I just practice honesty? Can I embrace that I adopted dishonesty in a lot of, for a lot of reasons and in a lot of ways, and that's okay, but that I can practice a new way of being and I can pray. I can really ask God 
to, to provide all the care I need because for me it's very scary to go out in the world very scary, almost terrifying to go out in the world without this mask, without the lies or exaggerations or embellishments, without trying to impress others, with being straightforward. Uh, it's hard to go out without comparing myself to others. It's hard to change my habits. It's just hard and scary, terrifying. And again, that's where I can invite God and that's where we work a spiritual program knowing I can't even provide the safety for myself, but I can embrace a higher power that is big enough and cares enough to do it. And I don't have to begin to understand that higher power or be able to define it. I just have to believe, be willing to believe that it will come. That's the, that's the magic. That's the unexplainable. All I have to do, and literally all I have to do on any given day, for me, I believe, is work these 12 steps. If I practice each and every step every day in a very simple way, I do embrace a higher power. I do begin to become willing on days that I don't believe and on days that I believe I can just dance and be in joy with this higher power. Um, but I can be willing on any given day. Today, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I, for breakfast, doesn't matter what I've done to before today, in this moment, I can be willing to believe and I can move forward and I need all the help I can get and I certainly need you all. I don't do this alone. I can begin to, so I thank you because you are, you're giving me sobriety today. You're giving me my life. And um, with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you very much, Barbara P. from Georgia. Step by step, you've taken us all along. You're recovering, recovered life chronologically. Hand in hand with power, it was just wonderful to sit back and listen and watch. You know, just the story unfold. Thank you very, very much. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. So at the end of this meeting, we will ask Barbara for her contact information. So stay with us and listen for that and have pen and paper handy for it. The share ID number for Sunday, April 17th, 2021 is 18-853-18,853. And that's for this presentation right here today. And also just want to throw in here to join us next Sunday for another Recovery Packed Sunday Special Edition. The title is Living Abstinent in recovery. You're not going to want to miss that one either. It's going to be a big deal. How to do this day by day and all the trials, ups and downs, highs and lows that we face in life. The lines are now open for questions. If you have a question for Barbara, please unmute your phone by pressing star one on your phone keypad. Offer your first name, the first letter of your last name. And once you've asked your question, please press star one again to remute your line so it's nice and quiet for everyone to hear and Barbara to to respond. Who would like to ask Barbara a question this morning? Pedro P. Pedro. Elaine G. Elaine G. Loretta H. Loretta H. Becca R. Becca R. Anyone else? In this lineup, press star one for question for Barbara. 
Okay, let's go with Pedro B first and then followed by Elaine G. Star one, Pedro. Everyone else press star one to mute. Yeah, good morning. Can I be heard? I'm clear, but I'll let you know. You just come in for uh, you. Thank you. Thank you. Barbara, yes, first sir. of all I wanna I wanna thank you so very much for for your share. You know, as uh I I believe that uh you know well like my one of my sponsors used to say, um, I'm here because I'm not all there. <clears throat> and, <laughs> and uh, you know, I really believe that uh, this God of my understanding has got me present. I, I feel so fortunate to have been able to listen to you on this topic of growing honesty and the need that I have for growing honesty. And and uh, yeah, I'm a chronic relapser, and you know, and 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 the problem that I have is, or my disease, uh, always lies to me and always convinces me that I can uh, do this and I can do that. And and recently, I had an experience. I'm sorry, I'm going so long about this question, but basically, if you could come to your question, that would help for other folks and their timing, please. Yes, I un- I understand. Thank you. So okay. what happened? Okay. What ha- What happened was that um, uh, I got I had a I got a sponsor, and the sponsor gave me a uh, a food plan, and I noticed the food plan did not include the foods that uh, that I'm that I ate. And and then eventually I I did it 28 days, but eventually I relapsed. And and my question is, in the honesty with the food plan, um, how do I? You know, it's like some people tell me that the food plan has to be developed by me, and then some other people tell me that no, you have to follow your your sponsor's food plan. So can you share anything about that? Sure. I'm Pedro. Thank you for the question. I always love hearing you on the line. So glad you're here. Um, So I can only share my experience with it, you know, and I don't know if there's any magic food plan. Um, I know what was most helpful to me and continues to be is thinking through really what my triggers are. People ask me practical questions like, um, what a what do you binge on? And that was hard because I'm a volume eater, so I can binge pretty much on anything. But maybe some of the questions that were asked were more helpful. What do you go to next if those aren't available? Because it's pretty easy to see my main ones, the real red light foods, the stop sign foods, you know. Oh, I got this, this, and that. Um, but I don't know. There's, there's no one way for everyone that I know of, or at least I've sponsored a lot, a lot of people. I, some people can do certain things, some can't. But I think for me, getting very honest with myself about what were my main binge foods, what were my secondary binge foods, and then what were the foods that I was really, truly neutral about? What didn't I care? Like if my sponsor recommended, Barb, no more celery, just don't you can't have it i would have said okay now i you know i like it but yeah it no big deal i have no feeling about it what are those foods behaviors foods and behaviors that i really have strong feelings if i immediately get a no no way i'm not doing it or i can't do it or i shouldn't and and i start to come up with reasons 
I've got some kind of attachment. So maybe that's my best recommendation is just looking to foods that are a strong attachment and seeing, could I go without at least for a short period of time? But I don't, I don't think there's any, I, I'm not a believer that sponsors should give you an, a food plan, but that's an opinion. Uh, maybe in, in my case I was, let me also share experience, I was handed a food plan when I walked in in 88, and that was one of the best things that happened to me because I could not have come up with my own. I wouldn't have had any kind of honesty to help develop my own food plan. And even if I went to a nutritionist, I'm sure I would have convinced them of what I needed. So, you know, I don't know the right answer. All I can tell you is that it is to pray and ask truly within yourself, what are those things I'm just not neutral about? Laurie C. says that if you want to be neutral with food, eat foods that you feel neutrally about. And, and that helped me a lot to go, mm, I feel a little too strongly about that. I will today see some things begin to grow in my food plan or I'm just a little more excited about them and I usually, and I have eliminated them because if something, if I just get too attached, there's something, every meal does not have to be a party. I really need to not get excited about my food. So I need to like my food but not get excited. I hope that helps. Food's a tough one. I'm glad to speak one-on-one, and and I know there are many people who can. There will be lots of opinions, and it is all opinion. There's nothing in the big book, so I can't help you from that perspective. All I can say is self-honesty, prayer, some professional support maybe. Um, Those are maybe the best ways to, to get a food plan you can start. But if you jump into those steps, um, the food plan will sort itself out. I have seen that happen with people. They started one place, myself included, start one place, start with anything. Just it's a discipline you agree to and then move from there. Hope that helps. Thank you. Thank you so much for the question, Pedro. Now we're going to move on to Elaine G. Your question, star one, please. And then we'll follow with Loretta. Yeah, hi, everybody. This is Elaine G. from New York. Um, I don't know if you can answer this question, but I'll give it a shot. You know, in, in my family, uh, I got blamed for a lot of things, you know. You did this wrong, you did this wrong. But anyway, in short, I, I had a short-lived uh, friendship with, with a, somebody. Elaine, it sounds like something uh, went wrong. Would you press star one again? Okay, now I'm here. Okay. Anyway, I, I have a... Friendship that I just don't understand why it ended. I ended it because uh, I couldn't understand the person. They came back from the hospital blaming me for things, um, telling me this and that. And, you know, I, I feel it's my fault, but it's not my fault. But meanwhile, I keep on in my head, you know, over and over about this, you know. I, I went to God over it, you know, I'm going to let it go. And uh, for some reason, it's still haunting me. You know, and the whole thing. And uh, I'm saying to myself, you know, I'm being as honest as I am about it, you know. And uh, I don't, I guess you could say, what, what do I do next? Yeah, I think I understand the question. When I'm disturbed about anything, relationships and other, and like you say, when you're haunted, when something's really bothering me and I can't get it off my mind, I do a 10th step. 
And I will tell you, there are things, sometimes it takes multiple 10 steps. Um, one, I think I probably gave the same 10th step over about a two-year period about a coworker. Um, many of you will recognize that. But the reality is I think that 10th step is exactly for that because it really just helps me keep looking about why am I disturbed today? Why am I hooked? What's, what's in this? Um, I like to assume my higher power is trying to still show me something. There's still something I need to see. Not that I'm doing it wrong, but there's just something in it for me that's good. There's some gift, even in the disturbance. But yeah, I would just keep 10-stepping it and um, take it maybe through different people, get different perspectives, and who knows, maybe the lights will go on on something or you'll get to a place where it just doesn't have any energy anymore. But um, now... That's kind of an energy thing where, you know, I'm trying to today show love, tolerance, patience. So what? how can I bring that to my relationships today? Um, but yeah, I would try 10-step. That's always my recommendation. Thanks for the Thank question. You for the question. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the question, Elaine G. Loretta H., you're up next with your question and followed by Becca. And then we're going to see if any of us have questions for Barbara today. Hi, Loretta. Hi, Melody, and hey, just your share was just hit my heart, and it hit my being because I am also, I woke up as a liar when I came out of my mother's womb, and um, the disease progressed, and it, you know, it, it hurt me because of my lies. Today, in my 11th step every night, in the dishonesty place, I put, I'm always perpetually dishonest. You know, I can, the simplest things that can create a dishonesty. Do you ever have a day where you feel as though, and I know this is that you, because I see a lot of 11 steps and people say there is no dishonesty. And I'm like, how do they get through their day without having dishonesty? Anyway, long story short, do you ever have a day that you, don't feel like you did something that wasn't correct or and dishonest or and how do you deal with like I I'm dishonest every day and I do forgive myself and I'm not more reflection but I'm just curious because it's like Bill's white light I never had it so with that I pass. <laughs> I love the question, Loretta, and pretty much no. <laughs> I rarely have a day where I am not dishonest because even in simple things, like keep in mind for me to compare myself to someone else, for me that's a dishonesty or for me to place my value in what I think someone's thinking about me. At the very least, a lot of times my dishonesty is I think I know what they're thinking about me. So it's pretty rare that I have a day without any dishonesty. Um, so no, I think if you, I'd be happy to send you my 11th every night. We'll, you'll feel like my sister. Um, I, I think some people just define dishonesty differently. I, I don't, um, ever like at this point, seriously, I don't, even if someone gives me too much change, I hand it back. I do those things. I'm completely cash register honest. And maybe I do that a hundred percent. Um, but I don't know, but no, I, I don't have a day where I'm totally just dis, not dishonest. Maybe sometimes if I'm tired, I guess maybe there's been a day or two, but it's rare. 
is really rare. I usually can see something because my mind just works that way. And, and that actually gives me a lot of compassion for myself in some ways. I really want to say that. Sometimes what I see in the evening is I, I feel compassion because it's just this humanness that, I don't know, I just, it is. It makes me think, you know, everyone, we just have this humanness. And can we have some compassion for that? But no, yeah, you and I are in the same boat. So thanks for the question. Thank, thank you very much, Loretta H., for your question. Becca R., star one for your question for Barbara P., and then we're going to open up to see who else might have a question this morning. Hi, good morning. This is Becca R., recovering compulsive overeater, calling in from Kentucky. And thanks so much for a beautiful presentation. And um, being back from relapse and in step one, it was really uh, great for me to hear. I guess my question would be, what do you do to stay in a current step one, to stay in that just um, total surrender and total powerlessness? Uh, what's that practice look like for you? Is it sponsorship? Is it doing all the things? What, what, what exactly does it look like for you? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the question, Becca. I start my day and literally started. My guide had told me, put a post-it on your night table, uh, you know, and a post-it because it'll remind you every day of just at least saying the first step. And I, so I literally, I wake up and I just, I, I, I remind myself and I ask myself a question. That's what that spiritual mentor taught me. Am I powerless? I ask the question each morning. So am I still powerless over food? Do I think I have a problem if I picked up today? And, you know, thank God every day it pretty much comes back. Yeah, I'm pretty sure nothing's changed chemically, biologically, mentally overnight. Um, so, yeah. So I just reaffirm the step first. And then I think also the kind of the work I put into, um, um, I'm thinking about like food prep and planning. I don't do a ton, but I, I do plan. I have planned it the night before. So I know generally what I'm going to have that day and make sure that that's available and around. So that is part of acknowledging I need physical treatment for this disease. There, I have a disease. Um, I need, have certain needs. Uh, like people have needs for medication, I have needs for medication, and so I make sure I'm prepared um, and work hard to do that, and that's not always convenient, but that's an acknowledgement of step one. And then the other part is that my life had become unmanageable, because one is that I'm powerless over food, but it also is that my life had become unmanageable, and I once I acknowledge that, kind of just by saying it, I go right to step two. Because that pulls in the solution. That begins to acknowledge, came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity, to my manageability, could manage me. <clears throat> and then, but I quickly have to again ask myself a question, do I believe? Or am I just, you know, I get up, my feet are ready to hit the ground and run the show. I literally wake up like that every morning. Oh, let's go. Hey, I got this to do. I got that to do. And then I pull back and say that's step one say that step two, ask myself that question, do I believe, am I willing to believe, yeah, I do, I know I need a higher power, okay, God, take this mess, take this, take this, I say mess in a loving way, but take this, take me, right, whatever, bring it on, I'm, I'm with you today, 
And so I think all of that is part of my step one. I have to go right to step two. But the prep, and it's a great question. I never really thought about it. But I think it's the prep and then just really saying it and reaffirming it, starting my day there and literally before my feet hit the bed, hit the floor. Thanks. Thank you very much, Becca R., for your question. Lines are now open. Pardon me. Excuse me. Let me clear my throat. For additional questions for Barbara P., if you give me your first name, R. first initial, your last name. Hi, Roz. Hi, Roz R. <laughs> Alice A. Alice A. Judith S. P. Judith S. P. Okay, let's go with those three for now. Roz R., your question first, and then Alice A. will follow right in after you. Thanks, Melanie. Um, am I unmuted? You betcha. I'll let you know. Okay. Come on in. Yeah, come on in. Good morning, um, Barbara. Thank you so much for your share. I, I rarely share um, or ask a question, but I definitely have a question for you today. Um, I am having a surgery tomorrow morning that's going to incapacitate my moving uh, on my own for, for a while um, with one of my legs. And uh, my daughter is going to be my what they call care partner. And um, I recently moved near her. Anyway, my question is, I am so uncomfortable when I have to ask her to help me with something just in general. She's offered to do this, but my food is very important and staying on my plan and my meetings and my, you know, like we have a, and I live alone, so I have a whole thing that I do. And, um, I asked her to come over uh, to go over some things, you know, before the surgery, because when we come home, I'm going to not be able to walk around so easily. And um, she never did. So how, how do, how would you, (laughs) how would you um, uh, share with a person that is going to be staying with you for the next couple of weeks, who you have a hard time um, asking things of because many times prior to the surgery, she feels like I don't appreciate her or um, can't I do it myself. I mean, this is like I've never had anything happen or go through anything where I'm not on my feet and can do things. Um, and I'm really worried about it. And um, I know I'm going to probably have to do more 10 steps on it, but I don't know if I'm making myself clear, but having my daughter stay here for the next week or two with me, um, pretty much handling my life for me, turning my will and my life over to the care of my daughter. <laughs> um, not really, but my food is, and my, you know, my program. How do I keep my program the way I need to without, you know, I'm always excusing myself, even at her house or when she's here, I have a meeting. How, how would you suggest I take care of that? How would you do it? Thank you. That's my question. (laughs) Hi, Roz. Great to hear you. Um, And good luck with your surgery. So, yeah, it it is tough. I think anytime I go into a new situation and I'm I'm thinking about like the from a position of honesty. And so I think it's a great question. To me, I I feel my philosophy is just everything like I'm in school. School is in is my, my saying. So I feel like 
a lot of these experiences that are really worrisome and, and frightening for me, um, you know, and it sounds like this is, I have to go into with an attitude that this higher power is right in the midst and doing something good both for me and in this case, maybe for your daughter as well, for you and your daughter. So it seems like such a great opportunity to talk about practicing changing, you know, sort of changes, right? So practicing asking for help. Your daughter being in a position of being asked for help and maybe practicing something different, maybe not. But for me, everything is, it comes down to trust in this higher power like that, that things are happening for a reason and I'll be given what I need. I'll be taken care of. If you look at, you know, I'm thinking about step two and step three and, you know, I'm trusting in the care of a higher power and this is a time where obviously you'll need care and some of that is caring for myself, like asking for what I need. It's, it's tough um, times like I've been on vacation and I need to go to a meeting and my husband's wanting to do something different and I'm worried that he won't be pleased and he'll, you know, be upset. But I have to know what I need and then take every action I can I can within my power to get it. And then I have to leave it to trust. Um, somebody early in recovery used the acronym AT&T, ask, thank, and then trust. So it almost seems like I have to do the, you have to do that with your daughter and you have to do that with your higher power. Trust that you'll get what you need. You, you'll be okay for the week. This is what my thinking would go to. And again, this isn't out of the big book. To This is totally my opinion. I hope it's helpful. If it's, if it's not, throw it away. But I, I think that's the attitude I would take is just trying to ask, thank, and then just because I ask, trust that what, however it plays out, and whether you walk away best of friends or your daughter walks away out of, you know, bent out of shape, all of that is going the right way. That's, that's the hard part for me. I want the outcome to look the way I want it to look. Um, but I would also look at those pages 60 to 62. And then uh, it's, what's always recommended to me was read them in the first person because that is so much about... Um, trying to run the show, it's a tough balance. So I hear what you're saying. You're trying to get what you need, but you also won't be able to run the show. So I think it's just interesting. Maybe take it like, hey, I'm in school and I'll see what my higher power does with this week. Who knows? I mean, it could be an amazing experience for both you and your daughter. So who knows? And that's that attitude of open-mindedness maybe to go in with as well but you will be okay. My, my assumption too is that really if you know, there's something you desperately need, you'll find a way to be able to get that. Maybe there's other people you can call and so on. But really trusting, really trusting. It's hard, Roz. So I wish I knew the magic. Practicing trust is probably the right word to put in front of it. Thanks. Thank you, Raza, for your question. Alice A, you're up now with your question, and then Judith will follow you, Judith SP. This is Alice A from Alabama. Thank you so much, Nancy, for your share. I just got so much out of it. But you talked about your step eight, and your sponsor asked you to write down the names of people that maybe you didn't do overtly harm to them, but you were judgmental in your thoughts. And somebody may have asked this question already, but I had to step out for a minute, so excuse me if I'm having if you're having to repeat it. But I wish you would say again what you did 
for those for that particular step. Thank you. Yeah, sure, Alice. Happy to. Yeah, she just recommended that I pull everyone from my list. So I don't know. I have maybe 15 people, let's say, pull all of those those people over to an eight-step list, and then just look at them individually about did I do harm? Um, and a lot of times it wasn't where I would go back because I was maybe thinking like I, uh, I'll use an example of talking about one of my sisters. Um, no, that's not a good example because I did do harm, so I made an amends there. But I didn't necessarily go back to the person thinking badly of this coworker, right? Judging my boss. Let me do this. <clears throat> so very judgmental on my boss, but I haven't done any harm. I haven't set her up. I didn't do anything that I could repair directly. But what I could do was really pray to have this ability to think differently, to judge, to, to not judge, but also to keep an open mind that, and, and a warm heart that she's got a life. She's got things going on. This is not all about me. So my prayer became <clears throat> what was recommended to me as an amends was to pray to have this self, um, self-centered uh, attitude removed because it was me just thinking about me and how I felt. I wanted her to be friendly. She's not a friendly person. I need to have that removed and I can't remove it. So it became prayers, prayers for an open mind and an open heart. I still say that every day because my heart closes, especially when I get afraid afraid of being, I've been, you know, something. So I pray for an open mind and an open heart. I pray for God to remove my judgmentalness because I really am, it's just an awful defect. And I can't, I'm powerless. I, my mind goes there. It snaps shut when I think I'm at, at any kind of um, unsafe, right? I, I don't know why my words aren't coming very well, but when I don't feel safe, my mind snaps shut. I also pray for blame to be removed because I like to place blame somewhere else when I feel badly. So those were things that by looking at the things that I had done, even though that person never knew I did them, they were very valuable to me to realize, ah, this is the way my brain works. Again, the honesty for me is all about my perception of the situation because it's not necessarily the truth of the situation. So it was powerful for me to see I can pray and I can be at least aware that my mind does go a certain direction. It's wired a certain way. I can turn that around to a certain extent. And then the 10th step keeps reaffirming that. Eighth was just an opportunity to really insert some prayer work into my, that I wouldn't have done had I not, had I only looked at direct harms, the letters I need to write, the money I pay back, whatever. So it was powerful to bring in prayer. That was most often what it was. There actually another um, repair, again, never the person not, it wasn't direct, but was just to begin acting differently. And, you know, gossip was a big one like that where I just, I stopped talking about my one sister to the other, which was something I did. And then I also made a list of things I was grateful for, for that sister and tried to remember those as we got on the phone. This was in a, a relationship that I had a lot of difficulty with. So my amends in nine, because she was on the list in eight, even though I never harmed her, 
was to start looking with gratitude and listening for those things rather than picking her apart. So it was just valuable to pull every single person who I had had any kind of disturbance around over even though I thought that I had done no harm. Maybe the real harm was I had harmed myself by having all that sort of negative energy. I don't know. But it was really valuable to pull everyone over. So thanks. Thank you very much. Appreciate the question, Alice A. Uh, Judith S.P., your question, please. Hi, good morning. This is Judith S.P. in Maryland. Gratefully recovered today. Barbara, thank you for your share on honesty, and thank you for leading, Melanie. Um, There is, for me, sometimes it's amazing how there's no coincidence, because recently I read something, I'm not exactly sure where, it might not be literature, so this is just my my thinking. Um, What would happen, or would I be interested, if all the thoughts in my head Uh, which I keep private, obviously, would be broadcast to the world for one day. How honest and comfortable would I be with all my thoughts going out into the world? And that kind of stopped me in my tracks. Um, Because this disease is so baffling and cunning and tries to get into every possible crack that uh, there is a teeny little opening for, I have come to believe, and I've heard in the rooms, and I think it's implied, if not specifically said in the big book, that this is a program of the heart, not the mind. And I guess my question, not I guess, my question to you is, how do you connect on a heart-centered level with your higher power as you walk through moments to really be able to capture this is BS, so to speak, dishonesty. And this is maybe uncomfortable in a similar way, but is definitely the truth, whether it be saying something to somebody that my brain says, that's not very nice, Judith, or so forth. So without going on and on, how from a heart-centered spiritual place, uh, moment to moment, do you uh, become clear on honesty versus smoke screening um, uh, disease. Thank you for letting me pose my question, and I'll pass. Ah, thanks, Judith. Oh, I wish I knew. I, <clears throat> I would like to hope, <clears throat> excuse me, I would like to hope that I'm listening as best I can to that, you know, we talk about that small, quiet voice, And maybe that's the voice that suggests, Barb, why don't you ask her how her day is going? Um, I'd like to hope that I listen to that, but I'm not sure I'm doing anything to connect with my heart other than practicing the steps. I mean, seriously, I don't mean to sound like robotic about that, but I truly don't know that I know how... I've heard people talk about that, how you really get this in your heart. And I don't know, sometimes I feel heartless. I'm not sure that I have, um, honestly. So I just, but I do try and listen to that small voice that is definitely counter to the thought running in my head. 
So I'm in the how dare she, and oh my gosh, if all that was broadcast, I would never leave the house, seriously. But um, so, you know, but I don't know. All I can do is practice the movements, practice the, you know, kind of the counter actions when they occur to me. But how to make them occur, I, I don't know. I wish I knew. That would be truly, and I'm not sure I'll ever get there. And I, I, I guess for today I'm okay with that. I, I'm in a learning process. I feel like a spiritual baby, truly. And, um, and, and I may always be. If I get the toddler, it's going to be amazing. Um, wish I knew an answer to that. But I think listening and starting the day, and again, that's why the steps, because the steps tell me, okay, pray and meditate. So I, st- I pray and meditate. Um, I, do wanna, I guess one, one thing I'll say, because I just think one of my spiritual mentors, I just thought this guy's like on a cloud all the time, you know, and he's, he's got it. He's got it. And so we were talking, and I said, well, how do you do your morning prayer, right? And so he says, well, I do page 86. And I said, well, okay, what does that mean? So what does that look like? And I'm figuring he's off, you know, with candles and incense and everything else. And he says, well, it says we ask God to direct our thinking. He says, so I go, okay, God, direct my thinking. And he says, and then we consider our plans for the day. He says, I look at my day timer. I mean, the guy is so practical. So I, I think it comes back to the same things. You know, practical practice of um, just different behaviors and listening when I hear a different behavior or suggestion that happens in my brain and following it. Uh, And that's what the big book does tell us will happen, that we get inspired. We start to hear things. You know, I'll be talking with my sister and my, my, the little voice inside will say, just listen. You can't make her feel better, Barb. Just listen. And I'll do that. I'll lovingly listen. That is not my MO. That's not what I would normally do. So just trying to follow those little messages. But I don't think I'm creating the little messages. I, so I don't know how to connect with the heart other than listening and following the steps. So great, great question. I, you know, I'll think on that one. I'll keep thinking about that. Thank you very much for your question. I appreciate that last question today by Judith S.P. Our time is looking like it's uh, going to wrap us up here this morning, spending it together. And thank you again so much, Barbara, for your presentation today. It was just very, very, very touching, as well as spending the extra time answering these particular questions for our fellowship here. It just added much more to the richness of what your presentation already was. I'd like to close this morning by reading page 164, the way we always close our meetings on Sunday special edition, and I'll read that for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you. We shall surely be with you 
in the fellowship of the spirit and we will surely meet some you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny may god bless you 